Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. Tonight I get the honor of ministering. I want to preach a little about, you know, we're already, what, 11 days into the new year? 11 days. And it's one of the things, this is like, when I was looking at it or I was, I was putting this message together, I was thinking about, there's still some stuff that I wanted to do in 2023 that I really didn't get around to do. And so one of the things about, about, about starting something and, and, and receiving something. And, and, and I believe that God has a word for us. And this evening, I want to minister out of the book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. The 43rd chapter. See, one of the things about the new year is, is that when we hear the word new, new is great. You know, when we, when, we, when we were kids, man, you know, you, you, you would get like a new pair of shoes, new, and, and you couldn't wait to wear them to school the next day. I mean, you practice, you know, sliding in the grip, you, you, you were ready. And, 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 but when we get a little, little thing, you know, we, we, we understand that sometimes newness causes an uneasiness in us. They tell you, oh, you know what, you have a new boss coming in. And then you go like, oh, what, what is this person like? I just got used to the last boss, and now I got to break in another one, you know? So when we, when we hear the word new, we have to understand is that God is always looking to take us to new things. God is always looking to bring new things into our life. God is always looking to expound and expand our vision in, in, in what he has called us to do. I don't believe that it's God's intent for us to stay stagnant. I don't believe that it's God's intent for us to continue just to be a stump and not grow in the things of God. And I think that when we look at what it is that is, is involved in accepting the new things of God, there are basic things that you and I have often, we learn them, we, we understood them, but then we fall away from them. And we try to do things in our own strength. How many try to do something in your own strength? And didn't even consider God, didn't even think about praying about it, didn't even think about, you know what, uh, seeking God about it. You just went ahead and did it because it was the, felt like the right thing to do, to find out God wasn't in it. So in the book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, I want to read this scripture starting at verse 18. <clears throat> it says this, remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Pray with me tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you, Father, for just the opportunity, Lord God, to deliver your word. Father, your word is anointed anointed father god and i pray lord that your anointing rest on me to deliver that word father that hearts are receptive tonight lord god 
Father, those who are watching us on live stream, Father God, that your anointing flow, Father God, through the airwaves. And Father, I'm careful, careful to give you the glory, the praise, and all the honor in your son's glorious name. Amen. Amen. See, while there's nothing wrong with adopting you, healthy habits, and when you focus on self-improvement and rule, out, rule keeping out to seek God's favor, you're headed straight for one of the things that I refer to as burnout. We can become burned out. Now, one of the things that I was, when I was reading this portion of scripture and I started to study it, I came across an article that was adjoined to this. And it said this, it said the sad fact is statistics show that there's a decline in church growth. The younger a person, the less likely they are to be an integrated disciple. They'll have a, a biblical worldview. Among adults under 30, just 1% have a biblical worldview. The incidence rises to 3% among people in their 30s and 40s. 5% among those ages 50 to 64 and a peaks at 8% among adults 65 plus. This was done in February of, last, of this year. And so one of the areas that science is always looking to, at to see is, is why people do what they do. And so here, when this portion of scripture, Isaiah is referring that he's giving a, 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 a a message to the people of God that change is inevitable. If you're not willing to change, you're pretty much content with how things are. And what happens is, is that as the believer just begins to become content in the way they are, there's no, there's no anticipation of growth. There's no anticipation of seeing beyond your position. We're okay with being right there, but God wants to take us over here. We're okay with little steps, but God's trying to get us to advance. And I'm not saying that it's a, it's a speedy process because the process that God is going to take you and I in, sometimes it's not, it's not as quick as, as we want it to be. How many want to see God move things quickly and, and God just takes his sweet time? Sweet time. And see, God's in, not a, in a rush for anything. He's not in a rush for anything. Man, we want those doors just to swing wide open, boom, blast wide open. And man, it seems like it's just trickly. Man, that door's not even cracking. God, when are you going to do this? God, when are you going to uh, save my son? God, when are you going to you know, open the door for that position? God, when are you going to just you know, do things in my favor? And we could become frustrated. And I have learned that when I become frustrated, it's because I'm impatient at the process that God is taking me through. Why, God? Why is this person? Man, things look so easily for them. God, doors open so easily for them. Nothing comes easy to me, God. And God says, I'm working on the area that you need the most, patience. Patience. I always tell my, my kids when I tell them something, I say, you hear him knocking? They go, yeah, then let him in. Let him in. Amen. See, as you and I go into this new year, we can be encouraged that 
Although we see a change in society, we see a change in the social viewpoints, God has not changed. God does not change. We may be facing uncharted waters going into new seasons, but we can face everything knowing that God does not change. The Bible says in Hebrews 13:8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning what? That the same God that was in, in the book of Genesis is the same God in Revelation that is the same God that is present. The same God that did miracles in the Old Testament is the same God that will do miracles in modern day. See, the thing is, is that if we are going to grow closer to God, we are going to understand the nature of God. And see, that's where we get hung up a lot of times is because we have, we, we're, we're okay with just knowing enough about God, enough to get by. How many were those ones in school that you were okay with the C? Right? You were okay. Because that meant you were average. And see, I used to think like that until one day the doctor challenged me. He says, Tony, I see that you strive for C's. Strive for a B. And then when I started applying myself and getting into the book, starting studying and really just separating myself and getting that, that what I needed to learn into me, I started getting the B's. Then guess what? He challenged me, go for A's. Go for A's. See, when, when, we, when we come to the Lord, man, we, we have this understanding that, man, yeah, we're saved and we're thankful and we're just, God, you're just doing, you know, thank you for my salvation and doing these things that you're doing in my life. And then God says, you know what? I want to get closer to you. I want you to draw closer to me. Come a little closer so you can hear me. Come a little closer. And sometimes that we need to navigate around these things. We need to draw closer, draw closer to him. And he says he'll draw closer to you. So when, when we take the initiative to say, you know what, God, I'm going to make it a point to make you a greater part of my life. I'm not satisfied with just Thursday. I'm not satisfied with just Bible study. I'm not satisfied with Sundays. God, I want you and need you every day, every day. And so when we understand that Jesus does not change, that he was in the past exactly who he is in the present and precisely who he will be forever. See, I want us to understand this first because it shows the immutability of Jesus Christ. The immutability that means God does not change. See, everything, man, you know that scientists to this day are still studying the creations of God and trying to figure it out. They study the stars, they study the ocean, they study the earth. And they're trying to figure out all this creation and God created it with a word. He spoke it into existence. And so we're, we're, we're constantly trying to understand it that, man, that when we look back, we can say, you know what, God, all this you created and you saved me. And you know what, we have the privilege the privilege, I tell you, of living for God. I'm constantly asked, Anthony, do you lean to the left or you do lean to the right? I tell him, I don't lean either way. I stand. I stand for God. I stand for God and I stand for righteousness. Who said that holiness is out of date? 
Who said that righteousness is out of date? That you can't be righteous and live right in the, in the presence of these days? See, that's the challenge. That's the challenge that you should accept that God says, you know what, stand. Stand when it's not pleasant. Stand when it's not comfortable. Stand. Stand and believe in me. Stand and be a testimony to the world and let them see that God is doing a work in your life. See, when you and I take that initiative and we say, you know, God, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to live. We got to be willing to accept the change. The change where God wants to do something new. See, we can't hold on to nonsense long enough that it's taking us nowhere. Taking us nowhere. Those of you who could remember back in the day when you used to go running and you put weights on your legs. <laughs> Thinking that when you took them off that you were going to be speeding Gonzalez. It was just a weight. And it tired you out. It's just like when you see these poor kids walking home from school and they got a 60-pound backpack and they're all hunched over. You cannot go where God is trying to take you carrying all the stuff from 23, from 22, from 21. And let me go as far back to 1970, 1980 for some of us here today. Man, they, you don't know what they did to me. They hurt me. They did. You know what? God knows. God sees it. And what God is telling you is, is look, move on. Move on. Forgiveness does not excuse what was done. But forgiveness frees you and I up. And the longer we hold on to it, we cannot advance. Because we will always know. That's how you know you have unforgiveness in your heart is that when that person walks into the room, your mood changes. You were so happy. And as soon as they walk in, you're like, why is he here? Who invited them? Right? It's the same look that family members get when you walk into the room. Oh, God, here they, here they come. If they start talking about Jesus, you better pull me away. If, you, if they start preaching to me, if they start, you know what? Stand. Stand. Because I tell you this, when they're in trouble, you're the one that they're going to call. They're, you're the one that they're going to text and say, you know what, pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for this situation. Pray for that co-worker, man, that mocks you, that, that, that just, you know, that just leaves all this nonsense for you. But when they're in trouble, when their moment is dark, you are the one that they're going to say, hey. And they have to humble themselves and come to you and say, could you please pray for my, my brother, my sister? They're facing this challenge, they're facing this, or this child ran away. They're going to come to you because they know that you have a connection with God and you're unmovable. You're unmovable. But see, when, if we were to fall into that nonsense and fall into that and hold it against them, we would not be able to be used by God in the way he wants to use us. Because sometimes we could have that attitude that we don't like you so much, I'm not going to share the gospel with you. I'm going to heaven. I don't want to see you there. <laughs> right? See, it's never up to us who's worthy of salvation. You and I are not worthy of salvation. 
God had grace and mercy on you and I, and he loves that individual the same way he loves you and I. Your sin was no greater than their sin. You don't like their lifestyle, but God loves them. And God reaches out to them, and sometimes God is tugging at your heart saying, tell them that I love them. Tell them that I, I have a plan for them. Share the gospel with them. And we hold back. Let somebody else do it. I'll leave a track on their lunch pail and walk away. So God does not change. Can I hear an amen? amen? See, one of the greatest barriers that God's people face in this modern time is letting go. Letting go. Remember the text. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. The past. See, here the prophet Isaiah is urging the people of God to forget the former things and behold, to receive the new ways that God is changing and renewing their lives for the greater good. See, there's always got to be an exchange there where you give God something, God will give you something back better. But as long as you want to hold on to that, you cannot receive what God is trying to do. God is trying to do something new and great in your life, but you can't receive it because your hands are full with what you're holding on to. That's where you come to the altar and say, you know what, God, this bitterness that I have towards this person or this, this, this what, was, what took place back years back, God, take it from my heart. Take it from my, my, my thoughts. Don't, and see, the enemy knows exactly what you and I will, pushes our buttons. He will use anything and anyone to push those buttons and to cause you to look back and remember, oh, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget how they did this, how they humiliated me. I'll never forget these things. Well, as long as you continue to never forget it, you will never advance and it'll hold you up. See, I learned through error that, you know what? I held so much against so many. And just because I didn't speak it, I, could, I felt it. Until God says, give it to me. Leave it at the altar. Let me take it from you. You gotta give it. See, God ain't going to take it unless you're willing to give it. Amen? Amen. You hear him knocking? Let him in. Let him in. In every order for them, Isaiah is telling them to see the new things that God is doing. They must open their eyes and see God who he is. To know God, not the religion, not a position, not performance, but to get to know God. And with a repented heart that we make ourselves ready to receive the new. Regain that fire. See, how do you remember when you caught on fire? You caught it. That stirring inside of your soul where you had that desire to do what was said. Where the message comes across and there's a challenge to see God greater. So you said, you know what, I'm going to set my alarm clock. I want to get up early and I want to see if that's true. If I start my day off with connecting with God, 
Will it go the way it said? They said it would. Trust me. Trust me when I say, when you make God the Lord and Savior of your life, and you allow God to make a path for you, it'll go so smoothly. Smoothly. Now get it. In that process, you will be talked about. You will be hated. That's why I tell people, don't, get, don't, get all, don't trip if you don't get invited to the wedding or the backyard barbecue or the, or the hookup on the beach or whatever. Don't get, don't get mad because God is separating you. They're seeing something inside of you that they say, you know what, that's good for you, but I'm not ready yet. And all you can do at that, at that point is just say, you know what, God, you touch them and pray for them and you be there when they're ready to call you. They will come in. They will call you. But are we making ourselves available to receive from God the new things that he's trying to bring into our life? Amen. Amen. See, we say this every year. You know what? Man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it. You know what? I, I went and got my, my uh, fitness uh, club uh, card. It's only $10. You know why it's only $10 a month? Because if they could get 1,000 people to come to a facility that only holds 100 people because they know that, you know what? They're only going to come a couple times, and then we ain't going to see them again. And we got them committed to $10 a month. You know that tomorrow, today's what, the 11th? Tomorrow is National Quit Day. <laughs> Quit Day. Quit Day is, is where whatever dreams that you had and you put down on paper for 2024, tomorrow's the day that you could quit and nobody will hold it against you. Man, they got a national day for everything. And the only one that we really need to pay attention to is National Taco Day. Everything else, forget it. Right? <laughs> I don't want to talk about food because I know sometimes when we talk about food, you guys are just, your mind just goes everywhere. Feeding the fire. I wrote down several ways that we can revive our relationship with God. The first one will be is get the word of God in you. Listening to him. Recently, a scientific study was done on what actually happens to when you read the Bible. See, this is where I tell you science is always looking to see why is it? Why is it? So they did a study. They got over 100 people ages 18 to 80 to read the Bible for every single day and to see what took place in their life. On, one, on day one... There was really no change. On day two, there wasn't much of a difference. But on day three, they started noticing changes in the people's lives. And this is the data that they collected on the people. They read the Bible for four times a week or more. Loneliness went down 30%. Bitterness went down 43%. Anger went down 32%. Alcoholism went down 42%. Watching pornography went down 
60%. All of what? They were reading the word of God. The word of God. There is power in the word of God. There is power in the word of God. There is life-changing power in the word of God. When you start to get into the word and the word starts getting to you, God starts to do a change in your life. God starts to open your eyes and you start to see yourself for who you are. You see yourself and you, and you read it. See, you're either going to read it and accept it or you're going to read it or reject it. There is power. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints of the marrow. Saying what? That the word of God will go deep. It's in your bone. It's in your marrow where there's healing. It's where healthy cells are forming and killing the dead cells that are overtaking in the toxins in your body. So when you get the word of God, it's sharp and it cuts into you. And God starts to reveal things to you. It's like surgery with the fine precision too where the word of God just goes in and just removes all the ugliness. How many here can really testify that once the word of God got into you and you gave your heart over to Jesus, that you saw a change and transformation in your life? Miracles. You are sitting next to a miracle. Well, I don't have this big test. I remember having this conversation with my daughter. She goes, Dad, I, don't, I feel when we go street preaching, I don't have this big old testimony. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't do nothing. Your testimony is not what you did. It's who you are. Who you are. What God has done in your life. Yeah, there's some many big testimonies here. Powerful testimony. People who were run down and, you know, did a lot of craziness and nonsense. And God transformed your life. Praise God. Praise God for you and the testimony that you have. But stand for God. Live for God. Preach for God. And when you make that stand, that's a powerful testimony because you have the word of God. Your Bible says you are a walking epistle that people could look at you and they could say, that's a man of God. That is a woman of God. And now when they talk about you and they see you say, man, you know what? That person used to be so tweaked out. They'd be on the corner talking to themselves. And look at what the transformation that God had done in your life. God has turned you all around and God has transformed you. God took a heart that was ugly and that it was bitter and all he had was hate. And God gave you love. Love that you never understood because we didn't have it. A lot of us didn't have that growing up. We didn't have that example of love and respect. And we thought we knew what we knew, but God showed us otherwise because we're able to see the word of God where it says that love is what? Patient. Love is kind. Love is forgiving. Love doesn't hold grudges. And when we learn that and we allow that to get into our lives, God does that transformation. You hear him knocking? Let him in. Let him in. So the word of God is powerful. James chapter 1, 22, it says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. We could hear the word, but do the word. Man, I know people who could quote scriptures up and down backwards, man, and do it all and just have your head spinning. But ask them or just see their character. And you could see that it doesn't line up. 
It doesn't line up. See, God is looking for people, the people who will do what he says. Brings me to the second point. Talk to him. Talk to him. Develop a prayer life. That takes some sacrifice. Because we're, we're not used to spending time quiet, talking to God, speaking to him, worshiping him, glorifying him. I got news for you. If you find that a struggle here, once you get to heaven, right? There's a, lot, there's, there, there's a whole lot of where we're going to have that time with God. And this is where it's here where we could say, you know what, God, I need to separate that time. See, I know some of, you, some of these young people, man, they could, they could put down four or five hours on their Game Boy or their games, right? They master tour of duty. They can do all that stuff, and they, got, they can blink an eye, but man, have them get on the word for five minutes, ten minutes, and they're yawning, they're falling asleep, they're doing everything. If that's you and you get tired when you're praying or you're reading the word, walk. Walk it out. Walk around the house speaking the word. Listen to the word. Put on some worship music and just start praising God. See, when you start to develop this in your life, you're building that person. You're, you're making yourself ready to receive. See, when you start aligning yourself with God's word, then God is able to impart into you. See, God cannot fill unless that vessel is empty. And that's how we empty ourselves out. Paul says, I will gladly be poured out for you. So he was talking about in his ministry where he was pouring himself out for the church. He was an overseer of the church. In all his letters, he's making direction to the people that were overseeing the church, the pastors, that to continue on in prayer, continue on in forgiveness. And that's where we develop. See, it's not God's intention for us to remain the same that we're able to say, you know what, God, I want to receive the new. I want to be on fire, God. I want to be in prayer. I want to be that evangelist that God has called me to be. But are we making ourselves readily available and pushing aside all the things that distract us? Can I hear an amen? amen. Talking to him. Reading his word is listening. Prayer is communicating to him. In James 4, 4, 8, I said this earlier, come near to him, and he says, I will come near to you. The third thing, the third thing, obey him. Obey him. Jesus said this, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. John 14, 23. See, 2024... It's wide open. Don't let tomorrow the 12th be your quit day. Right? Don't let it be. I mean, I, 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 I could see sometimes in people's eyes when they're saying to, you know what, this is too hard. This is too hard. And you know what, I'm losing friends. I'm looking, look, the Bible says you will lose friends. You will. I mean, they loved you when you were like messed up. They loved you. They loved the misery that you went through. I don't know if it was a sick thing, if it made them feel any better about themselves. Because that's all the world, the world will chew you up and spit you out. 
The world don't care. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And see, when we come into the Christianity, the Lord tells us to be there for one another. Sharing your brother's burdens. You see someone going through a hard time, you don't have to know all their, their cheese, man. You don't. All you need to know is that I'm going to pray for you. That's all they need. You know, you don't be that one person. Tell me all the details so I can know exactly what to pray for. <laughs> you, they, you don't they don't need to know. All you need to know is, God, you know. God, you know what they're going through. God, I pray, Father God, that your hand be upon them. Lord God, strengthen them. Give them the strength. And Lord God, give them the discernment to see what is ahead of them. Allow them to see that it is the enemy that has put them on assignment to destroy them, to steal from them, to rob from them. God, open their eyes so they could see. Because every one of us here had a there was Jesus moment. Meaning what? When the enemy wanted to do exactly to you what he planned to do, what? Jesus was there. When the enemy thought he had you and he was going to take you out on that hot shot, Jesus was there. When the enemy thought that he had you and he was going to take you out in that accident, Jesus did not allow it. Jesus was there. So you can glorify God in the storms where you can say, you know what, God, I know that it was you back there. God, I know even though I wasn't in the house of God, God, I know your hand was on me. Somebody was praying for you. Somebody was crying out to God for you. And now we can do the same thing for somebody else and say, God, save them. Save them, God. Change them. Transform them. Send your ministers before them, God. Send a messenger before them, God. And that's where we can get excited because when we see the hand of God move, we know that God answers our prayers. God, we know that you have all things in order. Man, I love to see the people of God turn the corner. You've heard me say that before. Meaning what? Because that one moment you walked in here, man, you looked like you were on dead man walking. Like, man, you, this, is, this is tough. I don't know if I could get through it. But you dug your feet in the ground. And you said, you know what? I'm not moving. I'm not going to move. It's going wrong. Everything's going wrong. And what I've learned, and sometimes it blows my mind, God, if you see what I'm going through, make it stop. And God said, like he says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. When you're going through that moment, say that to yourself. His grace is sufficient for me. God is there. God is there. I love it when I read it and sometimes I, I think to myself, why do I feel like I'm alone in this? When his scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us, he's always by our side. And in Hebrews where it says that we have a cloud of witnesses, meaning what? That those who have gone on before are looking down at us saying, go for it. Get up. 
Get up. Yes, you messed up, but get up. God loves you still. God wants to do a greater work in your life. I mean, I've seen some people and I met some people who, man, they finally got it on their second or third time. Because the enemy lied to them that when they messed up, that it was over. But no, God says, get up. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what work he has in store for you. All he asks is that you stay faithful, that you stay faithful, that you say, you know what, God, I don't, I don't feel you. I don't see what the whole plan is, God, but your word says to walk in faith. Walking in faith is taking a step even though you don't see the stairs. Where you just say, you know what, God, I'm going to just go forward. Man, God, I don't know what's going to happen. Man, they're calling me in the office. I don't know if I'm going to get fired today, God. I don't know what's going to take place. God knows. And when I see an individual in the house of God, and I could see it in their eyes because the eyes always tell. They are the window to the soul. And when I see somebody like that, I just say, God, strengthen them. Shine on them, Father. Lord, let their feet not go astray, Father God, but let them see your glory. Let them see your goodness, Father God. Let them see that. And they come out of the storm. And they come into the house of God. Birds always sing the loudest after the storm. Where you're able to come in the house of God and just lift up your hands and just praise God. And if the tears want to flow, let them flow.